The Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Brian is okay. He was at work yesterday. He's got the flu, which is not a good one this year. Nor is it, I suppose, ever really a good thing. You never want the flu. It's like those stupid commercials where the people are excited when they sit in gum or walk with their food into a sliding glass door. No one gets the flu and is excited about it. But Brian's got the flu. It's not good. He was dehydrated, and I thought he died. But he's okay. He'll probably be here on Thursday as long as we know he's not contagious. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. That's the second time. Well, that was the first of two times that I called 911 this weekend. And I had only called 911 once in my life before that, and it was a complete accident. And now that I remember it, that's a lie. Twice I called 911 in my life prior to that. Once I was being babysat, probably eight years old. And the babysitter uh, was a good family friend of ours. And he said to me, Hey, you want my sister to come over? I did. Sister was cute. Why not? Let's get this thing going. I'm eight. I'm ready. I want to learn. I'm excited. Let's get in that closet, baby. Oh, my parents thought I was in the closet for a long time. Anyway, I said, what's your home number? He goes, nine, one, one. That's it. The bastard. So the cops wound up coming to our house. We were playing street hockey, and they lectured us for about 45 minutes on why we don't want to waste their time which I found ironic that they couldn't have told us that in two minutes and wound up wasting 43 minutes of their time. The other time I called 911 was in Morgantown. I lived on the bottom floor of this awful house. We called it the law firm, Crowley Crowley Cooper Haynes. I put myself in there twice because I was so badass. And there was a door from my bedroom to outside. Well, one night, it's like 2 in the morning, I was impossibly drunk. Like, it's, I don't know how it happened. They had to have connected me to IV. But I wake up to a handle shaking. The door to outside. I'm nude. Door opens. I sprint upstairs as fast as I can. Someone's trying to break in. We call 911. Cops come. My big, fat roommate ran outside with a hockey stick and a baseball bat. Was about to kill this guy who ran off into the distance. So, in fact, it's been four times in my life that I've called 911, and nothing really became of any of them. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. In the last segment, I said Sidney Crosby and Tom Brady are very similar, and to no surprise by me, Penguins fans are pissed. Chuck says at underscore Adam Crowley, that's insulting to Sid. Brady's a cheating bastard. Did you see the missed calls against Jacksonville too? Damn, man, that's not your finest take. Here's where Penguins fans are wrong on this, and fans around the National Football League are wrong. The Patriots aren't getting the benefit of these calls just because the league wants them to get the benefit of the calls. I'm not that big a conspiracy theorist to believe it, and neither are you. The Patriots get breaks based on the narrative that they don't make mistakes. It's the same way that West Virginia gets called for a 1,000 fouls a basketball game because they are quote-unquote press Virginia. When the referees go into a game thinking one thing, whether they know it or not, in the back of their mind, they're going to call the game with that narrative in the forefront of their mind. That's the reality. So the Patriots, they're known as this team that doesn't make mistakes, therefore they don't get called for a lot of penalties. 
That's how I see it. Is that right? No. But don't pretend like Brady always gets the benefit of the doubt. They suspended him two years ago. If the league was so fired up about getting the Patriots in the Super Bowl every year, then they wouldn't have suspended Brady for four games. They wouldn't have taken the draft picks the first time around from New England. They wouldn't have fined him for Deflategate or Spygate. They wouldn't have taken the draft picks. So you're wrong there. It's the same way people always say Sidney Crosby gets all the calls. You guys watch, does Sidney Crosby get all the calls? No. The Penguins had more goals last year reversed than any team in the league. Sidney Crosby gets berated all the time, physically and otherwise, and things don't happen to the players who do these things to him. They're both similar as far as I'm concerned in that their perception is not the reality. Sidney Crosby does not get the benefit. Tom Brady does not get the benefit as much as you think that he does. And frankly, Sidney Crosby would be lucky to have had as much success as Tom Brady has had. It's not unfair to Sid to compare him to Brady. In fact, it's a compliment to Sidney Crosby that I compare him to the greatest maybe athlete I've ever seen in my entire life. Sal tweets, Tom Brady's given preferential treatment, especially by the refs. You can beat the crap out of Ben Roethlisberger, and the refs will do nothing. If you breathe on Tom Brady the wrong way, it's a 15-yard penalty. Okay, that happens a lot with pocket quarterbacks, though. Pocket quarterbacks get hit, the flag goes up. Brady, pocket quarterback. Carson Palmer, pocket quarterback. In fact, the rule was created for him, at least the the below-the-waist rule, below-the-knees rule. If you're Cam Newton, you don't get the benefit of those calls. If you're Russell Wilson, you don't get the benefit of those calls. If you're Ben Roethlisberger, you don't get the benefit of those calls. It's not just about Tom Brady. But this is exactly what I'm talking about, fighting that notion that they do always get the benefit of the call. They don't, nor does Sidney Crosby. It's an accepted narrative that Crosby does, but we all in Pittsburgh watch every single game, and we know that's not the case. Those in Foxborough in the New England area watch Brady every single game, and they know that's not the case. In fact, they hate the league because the league has been out to get New England, quote-unquote. So how can the entire country think that the Patriots get every call, but in New England they think that they get hosed all the time? I suppose it's the same way that people in Pittsburgh think that every announcer is out to get the Steelers, whereas every other city would think the announcers are blowing Pittsburgh. Am I allowed to say that? Brian? Oh, you're not here because you almost died. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The Penguins have been playing good hockey. They've won six out of nine in this month. And they played well enough, I thought, to win against Los Angeles the other night. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will join us to talk about it coming up in ten minutes. Are the Patriots better than the Steelers if they win this Super Bowl? Is their franchise superior to Pittsburgh's if they tie them in Super Bowls? I think so. Because to me, the tie doesn't go to longevity. The tie goes to which dynasty was better. And I suppose that's subjective, but you tell me, 412-922-2874, if San Francisco had tied the Steelers back when they had an opportunity, back when they played the Baltimore Ravens, if they had won that game and they should probably have gotten an extra play due to pass interference. But if they had won that game and tied Pittsburgh for championships, who would you have taken as the better franchise? I'd say Pittsburgh because the two dynasties were, to me, very comparable. 
Steelers had a blast ton of Hall of Famers, though, so that kind of gives them the edge there. But overall, I would have given it to the Steelers based on longevity in that situation. In this situation, the Steelers do have longevity, but their dynasty does not compare to Pittsburgh, to New England. And that's always the first tiebreaker I'm going to go to. Who had the better success in their time period of greatness? And you can't tell me it wasn't the Patriots. Many will argue either way. If I say it's New England, people will argue that it's the Steelers. If I say it's the Steelers, people will argue why it's New England. And there is recency bias. And I'll see their point either way. But the Steelers have won six championships since 1974. The Patriots have won six since 2001 if they are to win in two Sundays. And that's the hypothetical here. Their run of success is more impressive. The Steelers have been in six AFC championship games since 1974. 16, pardon me. How about that? 16 AFC championship games since 1974. The Patriots have been to 10 in the Tom Brady era. That's insane. That's asinine. Brady's made it to the Super Bowl in 47% of the seasons he's played in his career. It's almost half the time. As impressive as the Steelers' dynasty was, the Patriots have done theirs in the salary cap era. And they've done this all with totally different cores. The only thing that's been here from the beginning is Bill and Tom. Even if the Eagles win, the Patriots don't tie the Steelers. To me, it's maybe a more impressive franchise, as much as it pains me to say. Do you agree? 412-922-2874. Let's go to Mr. Richard up next on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? There's another case where you need to be held accountable. Uh, Talking about Brady getting all the calls. You can't give any examples of him getting all the calls, except something that you're just making up. You, you, you can't really prove that he gets more calls than Walsh or anybody else. That are, Mr. Richard, Mr. Richard, you are the world's worst listener. Because I did not say that. I said that other people will argue that Tom Brady gets all the calls, and he doesn't. That was a tweet that I was reading. Are you familiar with Twitter.com, Mr. Richard? No, I don't have a computer. Okay. Do you know the concept of Twitter.com? No, I have no idea what it is. Is that one of those things where you get anonymous people calling in and saying bad things about you or other people? That much much you've gotten correctly, yes, sir. You and I are actually on the same page here, Mr. Richard. Tom Brady does not get more calls than the average quarterback in the league. Maybe he gets one or two more because he stands in the pocket, but uh, and, and largely overall I think the pocket quarterbacks do get more calls their way. But it's not because of Brady being Brady. I don't buy that for a second. If that were the case, why would the league have gone out of their way to suspend him? They could have easily dropped the flake gate, and they didn't. That's another thing right there. I mean, right there, that that hurts his reputation by that going on to Belichick with that whatever they did, cheating things. I haven't heard any, any proof of that whatsoever. That's what people will say whenever I talk. And thank you for the call, Mr. Richard. That's what people will say whenever I compare the two franchises. Well, the Steelers don't cheat. The Patriots do cheat. Well, the Steelers were roided up as all get-out back in the 70s, although back then it was fine. The Patriots might have cheated. But at the end of the day, at the end of all time, when people are looking back on NFL franchises, what are they going to remember about the Patriots? They're cheaters or champions? Because the media salivates over New England. Salivates. 
I told you that I'm rooting for New England in this game, but more people than not, I feel like, are going to root against New England. Except for the media. The media loves the story. Colin Cowherd, a lot of national folks, ESPN situated in Connecticut. The national media loves the Patriots. They do. It's a reality. I had a point there. I lost it. Whatever. Sal, next up on the Crowley Show. Hey, Adam. How's it going? It's good, man. What's up? Listen, I, I think it's kind of hard to compare the two franchises because of the different areas. Um, you know, the, uh, the the rules are totally different now than they were back during the, the, the Steelers uh, sure. dynasty in the 70s. I think the real question is, you know, if you take the, the, the Patriots of today, the way they're constructed, and you put them back in that era, do you really think they'd have the kind of success that the Steelers have? I don't think so. Well, see that that you do it. You did exactly what you said you can't do, though, uh, because you really can't compare the errors because the players were so much smaller back then. Uh, mean Joe Green would be playing what tight end today? Uh, I mean, it, it's just a little bit different from that standpoint. The thing that, and thank you for the call. The thing that I'll always say that goes in the Patriots' favor is that they have to deal with all the new rules. They have to deal with the salary cap. They've had Brady and Belichick. Those are the only two constants. They've done this for sixteen freaking years. They've gone to the AFC Championship 10 times out of that. They've gone to the Super Bowl 47% of the time. I don't care what era it is, especially not if it's the more difficult era to succeed in. It is right now. Let's go to Warren. Last up before we get to my man, Jason Mackey. What's up, Warren? Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, I just wanted to mention, um, uh, we talked before in regards to Harrison and... um, you know, I uh, politely, uh, you know, disagreed with you sure. on the fact that uh, I watched Harrison on tape. Uh, he had they forced a fumble. Uh, he also uh, put them back eight yards uh, when they were close to the uh, goal line there. And uh, he was the second guy in on that thing. play, but I'm fine. So you know, sorry, I, sorry Warren, gotta let you go. Uh, we're running out of time here, and your, your radio was up. That brings up the topic that we discussed before. I'll get back to it a little bit at 540. James Harrison's success in that AFC Championship game is so overblown. He had one sack. They had a one without him. And the play that you're referencing on the shadow of his own goal line, he was the second player in on the play. The guy was on the ground before James Harrison fell on him. So Harrison didn't really affect the play all that much there either. 412-922-2874. What's the better franchise? Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Jason Mackey to talk about the Pens as we're live. At the Terrace on 5th, right across the street from PPG Paints Arena on ESPN Pittsburgh. Expected. This is good, obviously, for the Penguins. Uh, what kind of role do you see him having from the start, and where do you think he skates tonight? This is this is good, as you said, Adam. I, I could see him on the third line. Uh, maybe you craft the third line. I think you, you maybe, well, I don't know. It depends on what they want to do with JSD. I think there's a couple options you can go here. Uh, you know, one, you could probably... Uh, move Gensel to center kind of unnecessarily and play JSD on the wing. I don't know how they feel about that. Um, you could use Rust on the fourth line. Looks like Ryan Reeves is going to be a healthy scratch tonight. You could use uh, kind of a, a little bit of a speed element there, go Rust, D, and Kuhn-Hackle. Um, I also wouldn't rule out the possibility of putting Sidney Crosby back with Brian Rust. I feel like that, that combination has worked. Um, and here's what I think they'll do now that I've laid out the scenarios that they could go. Um, if To start the game, Adam, I would probably start with Brian Russell on the fourth 
line. Just let him get his legs and then sort of play it from there. And if he's good enough, I think you kind of jump him up the lineup, maybe give him a few ships with Sid and see how that goes. But, you know, maybe smart, start small, uh, let him make some simple plays, get his confidence out there, and then go from there. I do want to talk about the scratching of Ryan Reeves, so we'll do that in a couple of moments. But Daniel Sprong getting sent down was something that I did not love. Why Sprong? Why not Dominic Simone? Because I thought that while Sprong might not have been producing the way you wanted him to, it's not like he wasn't close or creating opportunities. Yeah, I understand uh, where you're coming from, Adam. I understand the, the fans' vitriol on this, and it, it does seem like there's a little bit of a skewed grading scale. You know, like Daniel Sprong makes a couple mistakes of a couple bad games, and he's back in Wilkes-Barre. Other guys make a couple mistakes, and they keep running them out there. Uh, but I think what we're seeing with Daniel Sprong is, one, they truly believe that this kid is going to be an elite player. And, and when you see the upside, you can understand why. So they're not letting them off easy. You know, think of it like a parent and a kid. And, you know, if you know your kid's capable of making straight A's, when he brings home C's, why is he going to be cool with that? You know, you're going to grade him tougher. So I think that's kind of what this is. Um, at the same time, logistically, they have kind of some issues here uh, with right wing on their depth chart, you know, and guys that only play the right side. Sprong is one. Hornquist is one. Kessel is one. Um, Reeves, we've only seen him play the right side. I don't know if he can or can't play the left, but you'd probably like to get what you can on the right-hand side with him. Um, so there's just a lot of guys uh, that play that right side, and, and you know, they're kind of hamstring right now from a lineup standpoint. Like, you're not going to take Phil out of the lineup. You're not going to bump Simone and put Sprong in there. Um, you know, you have Gensel on the wing sort of out of necessity right now. Um, or, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to say out of necessity, but it makes more sense to play a there than does the center, so that takes up a top-nine wing spot. Like, it's just kind of a numbers game for him right now, and he's not doing enough to force Mike Sullivan's hand. Good stuff there. Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette joining me here on the Crowley Show. So that kind of answers the why Reeves, why now question. Uh, I'm always for Ryan Reeves coming out of the lineup for a guy like Brian Rust. Well, um, let me say this, Adam. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, you know, they have the Carolina Hurricanes tonight, right? I mean, they are not a physical, heavy, dirty team. They don't have any guy that Reeves is going to fight. Why this has not happened sooner, I do not know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's any crime to take Ryan Reeves out of the lineup against a team that's more of a skating-based team. You know, play a guy like JSD. I'm fine with that. Um, you know, when you have Columbus and Washington and Philly and these games where you need Reeves, okay, there's his value. But I don't see any reason for Ryan Reeves to be playing 82 games. And I don't think it's a huge indictment. I don't think we need to, like, you know, freak out and have a debate on the, the importance of Ryan Reeves. It's just a team where he's really not needed. So take a seat. Rest up, buddy. We'll see you next one. Well, it's funny, Jason, because before I was so rudely interrupted by the person Sorry, needs, who needs to be locked up for calling 911 as a child, uh, I was going to say that Reeves has actually been playing okay as far as I'm concerned of late. I would have said all season long, get him out of the lineup, but I'm okay with him doing it now. But I actually had thought he was playing pretty good hockey. Yeah, I like when they use that fourth line. I feel like it's kind of an, an imperfect equation right now just because, you know, you have a fourth line that's not going to score, right? Like, you can't expect that many goals from Tom Kunak, Riley Shea, and, and Ryan. You just can't. And that's okay if your third line scoring. Right. And the third line hasn't been scoring that much. So you're kind of in a tough situation there. I still feel like, you know, and I, I talked to Jim about this yesterday, I still feel like Rutherford is, going to do something with the third line center he's going to get a guy that fixes that line and when they do everything else 
shakes out. You can play reads on that fourth line, and you can be okay with a lack of offense if you're getting offense from your top nine. But right now, with them not getting that much offense, you know, not as much as they would like in terms of offense, let me say it that way, I think it makes what Reeves does on the fourth line that much more scrutinized. Last couple of things for Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, terribly rude interrupter and also uh, a wanted felon, uh, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, Mackey, 5-on-5 uh, five five has really been the issue for the Penguins. Uh, the PK has been outstanding lately. The power play has been their best attribute all season long. seems to me like the goaltending has got it together, and they've got enough guys who are good enough. They can piece it together and play the guy who's going to be good on a given night. Five on five, what do they got to do? How do they got to get better? How do they get better here because they have to? I think we just mentioned it, pal. You need a third line that's going to give Bang. you more than they've given you. Um, I really like the Haglin, Malk, and Hornquist line. They've pr- produced a lot, and they've done it five on five. You know, you get Carl Haglin going, that's a nice source of offense. And Sidney Crosby, in my opinion, since the start of the new year, has been absolutely terrific. So right there, you have two of your four lines taken care of. Again, we've talked about the fourth line. I think the, the ceiling is only so high for that group, and so how do you fix it? I'm still staring at the third line, and, and honestly, they should be a lot better than they are. I mean, you put Jake Gensel and Phil Kessel on the same line, that group should produce all the points, but they're just not. So to me, the five-on-five issues will go away whenever they become a deeper team. Sidney Crosby, 15 points in his last seven games. Is that just a... Uh, is that just the luck finally catching up with Sidney Crosby? Because I thought he's been playing well. A little bit. Uh, you know, I think some of the numbers have certainly been due to reverse course for him. Um, you know, all the talk about Crosby, you know, in December, for instance, um, him struggling or whatever. I mean, he was struggling to put up golden points. He was not struggling in terms of effort. You know, he suddenly, like, no. didn't stop caring or forget to play hockey. Um, but yeah, so he's getting some payback there. I also think he's been very comfortable on that line. I think he likes playing with Dominic Simone and Connor Sherry. I mean, we've, we've known that for a while with Sherry, but when you put him with guys who can skate, who can play a give and go game, I do think it brings out a little different element in Crosby. And that's one of the reasons why I said earlier in our chat that Ryan Russ would be an interesting play with Sid is I do think it brings out a lot in, in Crosby and, and helps him produce points different ways. So, uh, to me, he is as locked in as he has looked this entire season um, with really no signs of stopping at him. Jason, always appreciate the time, man. we got to get a beer now soon. I've been saying it forever. Uh, you've been I know, saying it. we got to make it happen. All right. All right. Let's work on it in the next like week or two. Let's do it. I'll be uh, This week isn't good. I'm going down to Tampa. Maybe let's try for next. Uh, already making excuses. Goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Adam. <laughs> Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find him in a prison near you. Uh, terrible guy. Uh, calling 911 as a child. I mean, it's just dangerous. Keeping the cops out of the real world and back in his school. Okay, I joke. I kid. Coming up next, if you didn't get in on it before, 412-922-2874 is the number. Better franchise, the Steelers or the Patriots, if the Patriots were to win Super Bowl 52. 412-922-2874. And... There's been some Jamie Dixon hate on the dot-com these last couple of days, and I think it is Bush League. I'll explain. It's the Crowley Show. Let the record show that I am an amazing husband. 
Uh, I chased down assailants, even though they might be my mother-in-law, and in fact wound up being my mother-in-law, and my wife is making chicken enchiladas tonight, but I already cooked the chicken during the day, so that all she needs to do is the enchilada, uh, enchilada-ing, en enchilada, enchilada-ing, should be making the enchilada. Better franchise, Steelers or Patriots, if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, 412-922-2874, not an original topic, but I'm an original character, Pete from... Colorado. Next up on the show, you listening on iHeart, aren't you, Pete? Oh yeah, my man. What's on your mind? I, I've, I've actually I've grown I've grown to enjoy you over the uh, over the last year or so. You know what? You're a lot like my wife. The first couple of times I asked her out, she said no. But after I got past her filing uh, paperwork and getting the police to come to my house, we wound up really hitting it off. Well, it's a, it's a long journey from you know from Myron to Stan to Tunch and Wolf to Madden to you. It's just, it, you know, I think it shows that your sensibilities are devolving, Pete. But that happens with age, so I understand. Well, I have, I have more perspective. But That's it. it. So, this, so the question's an interesting one, but I think of it in this context. There's an important distinction between better team and better organization. Because to me, the, the Pats are a better team because they've done it with Belichick and Brady, so you have limited circumstances. And the, the, the level of evolution has been relatively small. But if you look as a, um, in terms of longevity, the Steelers have done it through different eras, different coaches, different players. So I don't think you can answer the question yet. I think you can absolutely say, in a short window, over a ten-year period, if you you know you can look at them. But it's the jury's still out on them. I'd be interested to see how they're looking after Brady and Belichick are gone because I'm a little older than you, but I'm 47. But when I was growing up, the Patriots were a joke. You know what, and that's fair, and I think that's really what this question boils down to, is do you value the longevity more, or do you value what the Patriots have been able to do since Brady's been in the league for the 17, 18 years? I that, think if you say Brady and Belichick, that's a better team. Right, and I think I think at this point it just comes down to arguing semantics, Pete. That's why the question's interesting to me. I would take the Patriots because I think what they've done, they've done over a long enough period of time to indicate that it's not just a, a, you know, a quick offshoot dynasty it's going to die um but what you're saying is that the longevity of the Steelers needs to matter I, I can see that point too I'm not yeah, arguing so much that I think I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong either no I just I just think it's the quarterback thing is such a huge factor in the equation I mean if you look at any dynasty what other team has a dynasty with multiple quarterbacks I mean you look at the 49ers, the 49ers okay. right but they, right okay but other than that, it's tough. I mean, you can, you know, the, the Colts had a pretty good run, too. But what happened as soon as Manning was gone? Denver, what happened when Elway was gone? The thing that's so amazing is that they've made the most of all their opportunities. So every yeah. time that New England gets there, they haven't won, but they've gotten there so much, and they've made the majority of the hay coming out of those situations that, to me, I don't know if I'm ever going to see anything like it in football. In basketball, I think it's a little bit different. Obviously, we talked about Jordan earlier. It's different because... You, you need to have one dominant player, and if the league doesn't have a, a dominant team, then that dominant player can drive the success. Uh, in the NFL, the fact that they've been able to do this for 16 years, make 10 championship games. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's frustrating as hell, too. But it's it, it, it's, it is. It's absolutely amazing. And F them. Who are you rooting for? I'm guessing not the, uh, not the Patriots. No, I'm not. I'm just being provincial. I mean, and I and and, and I have a bunch of buddies that are past fans, and they're they're you know, it, it just it's 
It's, yeah, I guess I'm hanging on to that. I mean, I'm not a guy walking around wearing a Got Six T-shirt from the strip district every day. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's something you hold on to. But without that, how much fun would it be? I mean, without any animosity towards that, I would. I grew up as a kid hating the Browns, and it, I sucked when they left. Yeah, you know what, Pete? Here's what I'll say. Thanks for the call. Best call today, 412-922-2874 if you want to line up. What's the better franchise, Steelers or Patriots? I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I'm going with the Pats based on the greatness of greatness of their dynasty and the time period with which they've had their success. 412-922-2874. The thing is, Pete, the Patriots are so good that I don't want to see somebody else knock them off. I want to see them win again this year so that the Steelers next year have an opportunity to knock off the King. Next year, if the Steelers were to say meet the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, but the Patriots weren't coming off of a Super Bowl championship, it still mean a lot here in Pittsburgh. But I'd like to see it as the Steelers versus the King. And they're the King one way or another, but the crown sits more firmly on the Patriots' head if they're able to prevail in Super Bowl 52. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. A better franchise, the Steelers or the Patriots, if the Patriots are to win this championship. Here's what I said earlier. Then we'll move off this topic, and unless your desire to call is overwhelming, Steelers have six championships since 1974. The Patriots have six since 2001. If they're to win in a couple of Sundays. Their run of success is more impressive. The Steelers have 16 AFC Championship games since 1974. The Patriots have been in 10 AFC Championships in the Tom Brady era. Brady's made it to the Super Bowl in 47% of the seasons he's played in his career. As impressive as the Steelers' dynasty was, the Patriots have done theirs in the salary cap era, and the Patriots are good every single year. Steelers still are good almost every year. But they're not good in the same way. The Patriots are in the AFC Championship game almost every year. They've been there, what, seven years in a row? What do you think? Better franchise, 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Last night I was watching TCU have their way with my West Virginia Mountaineers. West Virginia's in a little bit of a slump right now. They'll be fine. Tough conference, and they lost close games against good teams, aside from last night. But that means TCU is a good team. What bothers me about Pitt fans more than anything else is that they seem to be agenda-driven more than maybe any fan base that I can recall because they haven't had the success that you need to be brash and loud about other things. Pitt fans are bending over backwards to discount what Jamie Dixon did as head coach at Pitt. Now, not all Pitt fans, obviously, but... Chris Muller tweeted out the other day that, oh, Jamie Dixon's team was successful in non-conference play, but they haven't been great in conference play. No surprise there. Mike Vukov, uh, whatever, formerly of KDK, now of Pittsburgh Sports Now, was saying the same thing. This is because they're Pitt apologists. Everything that Pitt does is right. So they sell short what he did here at Pitt, to stick with the company line. Pitt is it, right? They cut down what he's been able to do at TCU. As I mentioned, those two and even more, you look at their mentions, were tweeting that it's typical that Dixon would kill in the non-conference and not be great in conference play. 
But here's the thing about Jamie Nixon's time here at Pitt. He went to 11 NCAA tournaments in 13 seasons. He only missed the tournament twice. I got a question for all you Pitt fans out there. How many years is it going to take for Stallings to miss the tournament twice? Oh, 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 two. He's going to miss the tournament for the second time in two years. Hmm. In the 30 years prior to Jamie Dixon, Pitt made the NCAA tournament 11 times. Again, Dixon made the tournament 11 times in 13 seasons. 11 under Dixon, 11 in the 30 prior to that. Jamie Dixon's a hell of a basketball coach. Just because you're pissed off with the way that things are now doesn't make him any less of a great coach. Alan Saunders is a good dude. He writes for almost every outlet in town. He's a good reporter. I like the guy a lot. But he's a pit apologist. He doesn't think that going to the tournament should be Pitt's goal anymore. And, well, all I got to say about that is to be careful what you wish for. Because it's my doubt that Pitt will ever get a coach that's as good as as Jamie Dixon. I would almost guarantee, betting my house, hell, maybe I'll let my mother-in-law kidnap my wife, that Pitt will never go to the tournament 11 times. It's a doggy poop bag, Tom. Fell out of my pocket. There's no poop in it. Don't worry. You never know. You never know when you might need to pick up a poop. I will bet my house that Pitt will never go to the NCAA tournament 11 times in 13 years again. Not going to happen. So be careful what you wish for, Pitt fans, because Jamie Dixon's a hell of a basketball coach, a better coach than they've ever had. How about what Jamie's done at TCU? You can make fun of the fact that he's struggled a little bit more since he's got to conference play than he did in non-conference play. He's also in the toughest conference in the country this year. But TCU's reaching heights that you never thought possible at that football school. They've never been a basketball school, and TCU's about to go ham. For reference, the last time TCU went to the NCAA tournament was 1998. Jamie Dixon's going to get them there in his second year. He won the NIT last year, something that they wouldn't have even thought possible at TCU. Before that, before 1998, the last time they went to the NCAA tournament was 1986. Before that, it was in 1971. Before that, it was 1968. How long do you think it'll be before TCU got to 11 tournament bids? I'll let you know when they get there, because they've not been to the tournament 11 times. Dixon took Pitt there 11 times in 13 years. TCU overall, in their history, has been there seven times, which dates back to 1908. Jamie Dixon had that program in the top 10 for the first time in its history. Jamie Dixon just beat a top 10 opponent at home for the first time in program history. Jamie Dixon's a damn good coach. And yeah, maybe at the end at Pitt. It wasn't as good as it was at the beginning. But it sure as hell was better than what, he, what they were before he got there. And it sure as hell is better than when he left. Don't do wrong by Jamie because you're pissed about his new success. Don't do wrong by Jamie because you're pissed with what Pitt wound up with. Don't complain about strength of schedules or any of that nonsense. Just think about the facts. And the fact remains that TCU was nothing before he got there. And now they're something. The fact remains that TCU will be playing in March and Pitt will not. The fact remains that TCU got a basketball coach who can take them to the next level and Pitt gave up on the guy who's the only guy who's ever gotten them to a next level. He's the best thing that ever happened to Pitt basketball. And I'm guessing that'll remain true until the end of the program when North Korea blows us up. They should be able to statue 
of that guy. Up next, one of the dumbest things in sports happened today. And I'm rooting for the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You're listening to The Crowley Show.